Hello, and welcome to episode 16 of the Vibrant You Health Show with Blake Bars. Today, Blake and Dr. Ernst Schaefer discuss the COVID antibody test from his lab and what different results mean. This show is a great resource for understanding the results of your antibody test, whether you've already had the antibody test or will have one in the future. If you are near the LaGrande, Oregon area, these tests are available here in LaGrande at Encore Medical Group. Dr. Ernst J. Schaefer is an MD, PhD, FAHA, FNLA, and is the co-founder, chief medical officer, and laboratory director of Boston Heart Diagnostics in Framingham, Massachusetts. It's very smart. <laughs> Dr. Schaefer is internationally recognized as a leader in the field of lipoprotein metabolism and the diagnosis and management of lipoprotein disorders for the prevention of coronary heart disease. Dr. Schaefer is best known for his research on the nutritional, genetic, hormonal, and pharmacological regulation of plasma lipoprotein metabolism and the diagnosis and treatment of lipid disorders for the prevention of cardiovascular disease. You can watch this and other episodes of the VYHS at naturespantry.life under the Vibrant You Health Show tab. Now on to the show. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Vibrant You Health Show, episode number 16. I am humbled and honored to have my guest here with me today, Dr. Ernst Schaefer. Doctor, thank you so much for being with me. My pleasure. Dr. Ernst, uh, you are an MD, a PhD, a fellow of the American Heart Association and the National Lipid Association, and the co-founder and chief medical officer and laboratory director of Boston Heart Diagnostics. Is that correct? In, That's correct. In um, Framingham, Massachusetts? Yep, call me Ernie. Ernie, okay, thanks. I was gonna ask if I was saying that correct. Yeah. Um, uh, Dr. Schaefer is internationally recognized as a leader in the field of lipoprotein metabolism and the diagnosis and management of the lipoprotein disorders for the prevention of coronary heart disease. Dr. Schaefer is best known for his research on the nutritional, genetic, and hormonal, and pharmacologic regulation of plasma lipoprotein metabolism and the diagnosis and treatment of lipid disorders for the prevention of cardiovascular disease. He is the author or co-author of over 600 papers. My goodness. And um, you've also received over 20 awards, um, including the Horowitz and the Merker Awards. Right. I can go, go on, doctor. Um, don't go on, don't go on. <laughs> <laughs> I um, was quite uh, amazed by your accolades and your accomplishments. And um, you, you also teach at various um, schools. And, and uh, so I'm so, I'm just humbled and honored to have you on. So thank you so much again for being with me today. My pleasure. So tell me a little bit about yourself and your background and where you grew up and, and how you got interested in medicine. Sure. I grew up in a small town in Connecticut at the mouth of the Connecticut River called Old Lyme, which was uh, is actually the home of where Lyme disease was described. It's a wonderful tick-borne arthritis that <laughs> afflicts, unfortunately afflicts a lot of people. Uh, my father was a doctor. Uh, he did research on CO2 for the, for the government, for the Navy, actually, in Groton, Connecticut. He and my high school biology teacher got me very interested in science and medicine. Okay, very cool. 
And um, now tell me a little bit about um, your history as a doctor and studying heart health, because you've obviously had quite a bit of um, research into that area and have quite a few accomplishments in regards to cholesterol and cholesterol testing and, and sure. lipoprotein. Lip lipo means fat. What is lipoprotein? Is that like? It just means fat together with a protein. Okay. <laughs> that's yep. how that's how we carry fat around in our bloodstream. Otherwise, because fats is not soluble, so the protein on the outside surface allows it to be carried around in your bloodstream in little in little or larger spheres or balls. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. So that's very related to cholesterol, I would assume. Yeah, all the cholesterol carrying particles, cholesterol and triglycerides are are in fact carried in those kinds of particles. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. And then like, about, like LDL and HDL, you know. Right. And and LDL is the um, good cholesterol or the bad? No, LDL is the bad guy and HDL is the good guy. Mm -hmm. And so you did um, you you helped develop a HDL cholesterol test um, that improved the the older version. Can you tell me about that a little bit? Sure. Before I do that, I'll tell you a little bit about how I got interested in heart disease. I was a resident in New York and I saw a lot of people dying in the hospital and I started reading about the disease. And at that time, even though we're right here in Framingham, the Framingham Heart Study started in 1950. And uh, thanks to Framingham, we learned that um, not only was high cholesterol a risk factor, but so was high blood pressure. And of course, getting older and being a man and diabetes and smoking, and then also low HDL. So those are the things that are get, get put in the American Heart Association risk algorithm where it allows you to predict your risk. Right. So the other thing that happened to me was that my dad died of a heart attack at age 69. And, and so I was doing a lot of research on heart disease. Um, and then after I, my training in New York, I was lucky enough to go for seven years to the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, which was a wonderful place to do research. So that's how I got interested in heart disease. And then uh, my mentor in, at the NIH dragged me to Boston to Tufts Medical School. And so I was there until 2000. Well, I founded, I was there for 30 years, but then I founded this lab in 2007, which is devoted to um, optimizing uh, and doing testing for heart disease prevention. Okay. And that's Boston Heart Diagnostics there in yeah. Birmingham, Massachusetts. Yeah. And what, what the other, the reason I started the business was uh, I, I play a lot of bridge in addition to sports. And one night, one of my bridge partners told me I had played lousy bridge because he could count the cards better than I could. And, but I had some good ideas. So he was the venture guy. He got me to start the company. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tell so me. I can tell you now about the HDL test. So yeah, that wasn't really developed by me. It was, I have a, 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 a crazy Hungarian colleague whose name is Bella Astalas, and he developed um, the testing. Uh, looking at all the five major HDL particles. And it's basically the little guy that picks up the cholesterol and the big guy that delivers it back to the liver. So uh, I told you LDL is the bad guy. LDL deposits cholesterol on the artery wall and HDL takes it out. 
So right. uh, our ladies, uh, uh, our female colleagues, uh, females, women in the society have higher levels of HDL than men. And that actually protects them throughout life. Uh, and so on average, they have as many women die of heart disease as men, but on average, they do it about six or seven years later. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And um, now you obviously put a lot of time and study into this. And I, I noticed you've done quite a bit of research into nutrition as well. Yeah. Um, and you're an avid athlete. And, and so what would you tell people is the number one thing they can do um, to help reduce their risk of heart, heart disease? So it's very clear that regular exercise is very important. Even just walking uh, is very important. In fact, the Diabetes Prevention Project, which was run here in Boston, not by me, but by somebody else at Mass General, showed that if you just get people to, who are pre-diabetic, so they have a blood sugar between 100 and 125, if you can get them to walk a half an hour a day, and if you can get them to cut out their high fat, high sugar desserts, mm -hmm. you can reduce their risk of them developing diabetes by about 50%. So regular exercise and a diet low in animal fat and sugar is very important. Other important factors are, you know, not smoking, controlling your blood pressure, mm -hmm. controlling your LDL cholesterol if necessary with medications like statins if, if diet doesn't work. And uh, something called C-reactive protein, which is a marker of inflammation and raising the good HDL particles and actually also making sure that your blood sugar is okay, your blood glucose, that, because diabetes is a very important risk factor. Right, those uh, play hand in hand. Yeah. Increase your risk both ways. Yep. Um, so diet, exercise, um, you know, temperance, staying away from the things that, you know, we should be staying away from. Um, yeah, I've, I think, um, you're, you're spot on there and that's, that's so true. And, and, um, would you say that prevention, um, you know, I know, you know, there's been a lot of advancements, right. And there's a lot of amazing life-saving drugs and surgeries, um, you know, but, should we wait for, wait, should we depend on that or should we do some things to prevent that we can take? No, you don't want to wait because, you know, the last thing you want somebody to do is, uh, you know, end up with a severe three vessel disease of uh, their coronaries and, and then they go see the doctor, they get an angiogram and the guy says, well, you know, you should have taken care of yourself. It turns out you're non-bypassable, but we'll see what we can do. What's surprising though, what we've learned over the last many years, actually in Oregon, there was a very famous guy that helped us a lot named Bill Connor. He was at the Oregon Health Sciences University. Uh -huh. uh, he did a lot of good work on, on lifestyle and nutrition and, and heart disease prevention. He was one of the people that really taught us about the importance of uh, moving away from animal foods of animal origin towards plant-based foods and, and, and moving away from refined foods towards more natural foods. Very right. important, very important. Oh, cool. Well, you're speaking my language here with uh, the health food store here in Eastern Oregon that we run. And um, you know, that's, it's so true that an the old saying, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. 
It's very true. Unfortunately, people don't always practice it. It's easier said, but it's 100% true. Mm -hmm. Doctor, um, tell me, um, tell me about, so, so um, uh, we, we talked about your background, we talked about heart health, and, I, and really the, the main reason I got in touch with you, and I was so glad that uh, Mark Keith here, Encore Medical Group, and, and Kelly, who works, um, works for you there, um, she kind of connected us together, so it's pretty neat. I hear I'm a pretty fortunate person to have you on the phone here, so um, I'm so thankful for that, and, and the reason that we got in touch is because of a neutralizing antibody test and a spike protein test and an IgM test that your lab um, provides called uh, uh, Boston Heart Diagnostics provides. And so tell me a little, and so what we've had in this community is we've had a number of people take your test. Um, I think the day we did a drive here at the store, we had 60 people do it. Um, and I think there's a number more people who have done it here in our region and more people who will. Um, and again, that's a test you can get done at Encore Medical Group. They'll get, they'll um, send it into Boston Heart Diagnostics and Boston Heart, um, diet, you know, looks looks it over, and get you get you your results. And so, tell me, doctor, um, tell me a little bit about these tests and kind of how they came about. Sure. Uh, well, you know, uh, these tests weren't developed by me. We're a reference lab, and. While we do have some proprietary tests, like we do measure plasma fatty acids, we measure markers of cholesterol production and absorption and HDL particles. Most of the tests that we use are obtained from uh, large diagnostic companies. And the, the, the most commonly used antibody assay we use for SARS-CoV-2 is from Roche Diagnostics, They're actually the largest um, diagnostics company in the world based in Indianapolis, but also their headquarters are in Switzerland and Basel. Uh, so they launched uh, originally a, a regular total antibody test, but then um, subsequently in, uh, in the, um, at the end of 2020, they got a FDA EUA approval for uh, a really good assay for the spike protein, the very tip of the spike protein. So when when you get infected by uh, the virus, the virus contains a number of proteins, but it's that spike protein <laughs> that latches on to a receptor on your cells. Oddly enough, it's the receptor for angiotensin converting enzyme, oddly enough, which is related to high blood pressure, believe it or not. Mm. Like ACE inhibitors is what we use for, for managing uh, blood pressure, high blood pressure. So it that, that binds to that receptor, and it's the very tip of that uh, spike protein that binds to the receptor. And what Roche did was developed um, uh, a, uh, an assay that measures antibodies for that. Now, how do they do that? Like most companies, they use a recombinant, uh, a recombinant piece of that protein, and then uh, but in the assay, which is run on a high throughput analyzer with excellent CVs, uh, we can measure the levels of that antibody, which is very specific for to tell you whether you've been in, infected and made antibodies against SARS-CoV-2 mm -hmm. or if you've been vaccinated against SARS-CoV-2. We see uh, because the mRNA vaccines actually, what do they put into the body? They actually put into the body just that small 
receptor binding domain piece. That's what those mRNA vaccines do. So your body makes a ton of antibodies against that, that piece of the spike protein in response to those antibodies. And those antibodies and those uh, vaccines have been the fastest vaccines that we've ever developed and the most effective vaccines we've ever developed. Are they perfect? No. And the goddamn virus keeps mutating. So this, this virus ain't going away. It's going to be with us like H1N1, which caused the, uh, the pandemic of 1918. And every year it keeps coming back and mutating and we have to keep getting flu. The flu vaccine is for H1N1. For A and B, it's the A form that's the pandemic, which is uh, we get from bird species actually, whereas this virus, it looks like we got it from bats. It's endemic in horseshoe bats which are found in every cave in America, actually, but it probably mutated in Asia and it was spread in Asia. So, so, that's, so that's the Roche spike protein antibody assay, very excellent for measuring exposure or immunity. We have another one uh, called uh, Dizyme IgM. That just tells you whether you've recently been infected. That antibody assay is against the N protein the envelope protein inside the virus, nucleocapsid protein. Um, so it tells you about infection. It doesn't tell you about vaccination. Um, and it tells you about recent infection in the last month. And then we have the neutralized, and that has also gotten an FDA approval, EUA. Uh, then we have the neutralizing antibody. What is that? It's kind of exactly like the Roche spike protein antibody, but it only tells you of those antibodies that you have against the spike the piece of that spike protein, how well can they actually kill the virus? And what's interesting is it's only a very small percentage of those antibodies that actually kill the virus. And the other thing that we learned is when you look at old people like me, people over 65, they actually have higher antibody levels in response to uh, infection, but yet they die more probably because their cellular immunity, their T cell function, which we don't measure, not easy to measure that. But as we go to get older, our cellular immunity is not as good. So let me stop there and let you ask more questions. <laughs> oh, well, that, thank you so much for that, um, yeah. that summary of those three tests. And we're gonna show you some examples here pretty quick and, and have you kind of just go over those. Sure, I'd be happy to, yeah. And I got, like I said, I got the test here. Um, I got the test you guys do from Boston Heart Diagnostics. Diagnostics um, Encore drew my blood here. We did a day here at the store and I actually got, I got the antibodies. I got my vitamin D levels. I got testosterone, PSA, magnesium levels and several others measured while I was at it. Um, I'm not a big, big fan of getting my blood drawn. So I might as well get as much out of it as I can. And Absolutely. So, if you're going to do it once. You might as well get as many tests as you can. Right. Yeah. And so I was really happy to um, get those results. It really helps you kind of see where you're at in different areas and where you where you're strong, where you're weak. Yeah. Um, and so, again, let's um, I'm going to share my screen here and let's jump into a few of these examples and uh, you can kind of talk to me about them. A sure. Little bit. Sure. Somehow I got lost my. Okay, here we are. Okay, so um, here's 
I got a thing here. Yeah, so, yeah. So this is you? No, this is um, this is somebody else. But they got all three tests. Yeah. So, do you want to talk to us just kind of about all three um, from this person's results? Yeah, yeah. This person is very unusual. So this person has has negative IgM and has negative uh, spike protein, but they have a positive neutralizing antibody. So um, I assume this person has not been vaccinated, but they probably were infected in the past and still have some killing antibody around, but they don't seem to have much spike protein around. So it's a very unusual uh, case. Yeah. So the IgM, the first test at the top, that's basically saying that there hasn't been a recent infection. That's correct. That's correct. Um, and then the neutralizing serum, that's saying there is some neutralizing antibodies in the system yep. um, that can fight COVID or the SARS-CoV-2 virus. Yes. Yes. But this is very unusual. Uh, we hardly ever see any. I, I, I would say 99% of the time when we see a positive neutralizing serum, we see a positive spike. And usually the spike serum uh, antibody levels are substantially higher than the um, neutralizing serum. So this patient is very unusual. Interesting. Um, so um, is there, are any of the three tests indicate immunity better or stronger immunity than others? I mean, you've already touched on this, but let maybe just read. Yeah, so the, the uh, I would have to say the, the, the test that tells you whether somebody really has killing antibody would be the neutralizing uh, antibody test. Uh, the, the spike also tells you about the presence of antibody. Oh, this patient I said is unusual. No recent infection based on the IgM. And, and not much total antibody, but they do have some neutralizing antibodies. So this is unusual. As I said, I, I don't, we don't see this pattern very often. Okay. Very rare. Um, so then could you just touch on maybe the different levels on each of these tests? So what- Yeah, so, so uh, yeah, basically anything over one is positive for IgM. And, and anything over 10 is a very high positive. And the units are in arbitrary units um, for the diazime assays. Uh, and the, the neutralizing serum, anything over one is positive, but anything over 30 is a very, very high positive level. We, we rarely see that either. Most people that are positive for neutralizing will have numbers like two or three or four. And then for the S, the spike protein antibody, we generally see values, uh, anything over 0.8 is positive, but we often see people over 250, especially if they you know, have mounted a good antibody response or if they've been vaccinated. Okay. Um, is, so, is it impossible, or sorry, this is, is it a very, this is a, this is a very unusual uh, set of results that I'm looking at right now. Um, so if this is somebody who has natural immunity, what would you say in regards to that? 
I would say most likely they had COVID mm-hmm. in the past. They still have some neutralizing serum, but they, I would guess that they have not been vaccinated. Okay. Um, and um, so let's look at a couple others. Oh, so is it a pos- is infection without any symptoms possible? If absolutely, so- absolutely, about half about half the uh, cases that are positive by PCR uh, are asymptomatic. And cannot produce. That's part of the problem with this virus. It spreads around so easily because a lot of people are asymptomatic, especially younger people. And could that produce a strong, even if without symptoms, could you produce a strong positive test in any of the three serum tests? Uh, we published, we, we looked at, we worked with some of our healthcare providers and looked at about, we looked at 80,000 80, antibody levels but we only really knew a lot about 800 of those patients. We knew from our healthcare providers, we learned a lot. And what we saw was that antibody levels were highest in the sickest people and were tended to be low or sometimes even negative in the people that were asymptomatic. Um, that was our experience. So the- if you were hospitalized, your levels were high. Occasionally, we saw people that ended up dying that didn't mount an antibody response, but mm-hmm. but we didn't have huge numbers there of hospitalized patients. What we saw with the hospitalized patients that ha- that had were positive and were very symptomatic is they also had very high inflammatory markers like C-reactive protein and NIL6. Okay. Yeah, so, and that's the the sicker you are, the higher your um, inflammatory markers and the higher your spike protein serum antibodies. Yeah. And your IgG and, and your IgM, yeah, usually. And also IgM in our studies uh, that I sent you a copy of the paper, feel free to share it with anybody. That um, is a marker of, uh, if they're of chronic, uh, sometimes if, if they have long COVID, and they're still have lost their sense of taste and smell, and they're still having pulmonary problems. The IgM will stay up. Okay. And there are other markers for long COVID as well. If you were very sick, would you also have high neutralizing serum antibodies? Yes. Yes, you would. Yes. Okay. So I guess what I said this 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 is yeah. a very this is a very I'd like to know more about this patient because. This is very atypical. Um, what you're showing me now, I almost never see this. Um, I one question that maybe lead me to is, if you get very sick and you have high levels of antibodies, yeah, is it potential that somebody with low levels of antibodies immune system was stronger and was able to deal with the virus better, or what do you think? I mean, maybe in some cases, or well, the. We, we, what we have seen is a large variability in response. Okay. Some people have a very large response, even asymptomatic people. Some people don't. So show me some more examples uh, that, you, and I might, that, I might be more typical. Do you think that variability has anything to do with, uh, you know, um, the people's health condition? I do, actually. We have looked at immunosuppressed people who, who even we've looked at about 25 people who were immunosuppressed. Um, so so you're is, showing me people. Yeah. Let me, 
showing me, people. Yeah, so this, you know, this uh, example is very similar to the other one. Of, we, don't, we don't see this. I, I, we did a, a study. We looked at, uh, I just ran 100,000 people, and there's a very strong correlation between neutralizing uh, antibody and, and spike protein. So that, yeah, this is more typical. That's the negative. Yeah. This person basically is like nothing. You didn't have anything. You don't have yeah. any antibodies. Yeah. This you, never got, you never got sick. You never right. have any antibodies. Now, I would say this person never had COVID. Now, is it possible to have been exposed to the virus to the point, if, and if your immune system was strong, potentially like kick it so that you don't even fight it and get antibodies? Or what would you think? I mean, that's kind of hard to say. Um. Generally speaking, uh, so this is much more typical, what you're showing me now. Uh, somebody with a neutralizing serum of 1.14, which is still pretty low, but a higher spike. This is what we see in somebody that was infected in the past and is now recovered. Um, so in answer to your question, mm -hmm. um, we see lots of variability, but in general, if we'll see this if we See this pattern with somebody with neutralizing antibody of 1.14 and a spike serum antibody level of 77. This is usually somebody that's been infected in the past and has recovered. But as I told you, we see a lot of variability in response. On the other hand, what's interesting to me is people are doing lots of testing um, uh, PCR testing over nasal swabs over and over and over again. Uh, but, you know, you're only positive with a nasal swab if you've been infected for like three weeks. Antibodies, you can be positive for a year or longer. So the antibody, especially the spike serum, will tell you about whether you've been exposed or whether you've been vaccinated or, and whether you've been adequately vaccinated. Right. And I said, this is much more typical of what we see for a positive. Okay. I think um, this but usually I, if the in the people that have been vaccinated, usually that spike protein is over 250. Okay. Yeah, this is, um, this is someone who has been vaccinated. Okay. Um, so this is kind of unusual for a vaccinated person, would you say? No. What's surprising though, is this is somebody if they've been vaccinated fairly, re, uh, you know, usually if they've if they've gotten an mRNA vaccine and they've gotten two doses, and it's been a couple of it's been a couple of months, they're all over 250. So this is somebody who either was not fully vaccinated, or was vaccinated a long time ago, and their levels of, are starting to come down. Okay. This yeah, is this last, is much more. This is much more what we see in somebody. So this person has a neutralizing um, level of 1.45. So they have some, but they have a a a, a very a, a spike that's over 250. This is the typical pattern that we see after vaccination. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is actually a natural immunity person. Okay, yeah. this is a natural immunity person. Okay. Yeah. I actually have um, so I how actually long have how, not long, a very, how long since this person was infected? 
Um, that's a good question because I think they've actually had both the, it's possible okay. that they've had yeah. both the Wuhan and the Delta, but we don't, I think we, there was a confirmation on at least one of those, but not necessarily the other. Okay, so yeah. And the question always is, if somebody has had COVID, do they really need to be vaccinated? Um, a lot of the experts say yes, uh, but I, I think it's hard to know. There's certainly, when you look at the spike protein, this is what we see after vaccination. So what would you, so you say? You say this person has had the infection, but has also been vaccinated. Is that what you said? Yeah, sorry. I, yeah, your mic is cutting out a little bit. This okay. Is um, this better now? Yeah, this person okay. is just naturally immune. They or they just had the virus. I think possibly even had had the two variants, but it's kind of hard to say for sure on that. But they at least probably had it once. Okay, so they were. So let's see if I understand this. You said so they have not been vaccinated. No, no. Okay, okay. Okay, let's go on to the next one. Sorry, that was my last example, but oh, okay. and I don't, I don't have a very good um, uh, assortment here. Um, but you could maybe just, and you've touched on it already, kind of what you normally are seeing. This uh, is what we normally see in people that maybe were infected two months ago or have been vaccinated. This pattern right here. Okay. So in this particular situation, what, do you think this person's Im immunity is a, would be as strong as a, somebody who's vaccinated? Oh, yes. I would say so. Yes, this is a, this is very good immunity. Yep. Um, now tell me about if the um, antibody levels decrease over time. Yeah. So the best study came out of New York. Uh, they followed people with really good antibody assays, and a lot of people maintained. Um, now this was a study after people had 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 COVID, and they maintained antibody levels for seven or eight months or longer. Um, now, uh, what we're seeing from people that have been vaccinated is the CDC is recommending, you know, a booster about eight months after the second vaccine. So okay. I've already had my booster, I've been fortunate. What's interesting in my case, my S protein after first vaccine was only four neutralizing antibodies were negative. After the second vaccine, I went to over, within three weeks to over 250. My neutralizing antibody was a, went up to about three. And then over about six, seven months, my spike stayed high over 250, but my neutralizing antibody went down to very close to one. So uh, then I had my booster and I, I just, got my numbers checked again. I don't have the results yet. So um, see what happens. Okay. I have right. seen an, a number of patients though that were immunocompromised, um, had leukemia or were on immunosuppressive drugs who really didn't mount much of an antibody response. But then when they got the booster, all of a sudden they had uh, spike protein antibodies over 250. So for some people, the booster really does help. Yeah. Um, okay. Very good. Well, man, this has been so such good information. I have a couple more questions here. Um, sure. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
so and we already I think you already kind of answered this it's possible to have antibodies but not have had COVID infection no no I didn't say no. that oh I, it's okay possible I'm sorry. to uh it's possible to have had COVID uh, asymptomatic COVID and have antibodies oh okay okay yeah that makes sense um um so this is a question that I actually um a person I know in town who was a fist fish pathologist actually they they wanted me to ask you this and I don't know that I even understand the the uh language it's uh what is the SARS-CoV-2 surrogate antigen for the chemo chemiluminescence assays if it is not the actual virus or components yeah so uh for the IgM it's recombinant uh and protein and a little bit of the as half partial sequence of the S protein. For the um, spike protein, uh, it, the antigen is, is the tip of the, uh, for the Roche assay, it's the tip of the, of the spike protein. In other words, the receptor binding domain. So that protein is 1,200 amino acids long, but the actual uh, receptor binding domain of that spike protein where it attaches to the cell and the virus goes in is only about 50 amino acids. So my understanding is Roche used recombinant 50 amino acids, and that's also what um, Dizom used for their neutralizing antibody, but that was very specific for the piece that actually kills the virus. And that was uh, defined from cell culture experiments where the cells had been infected with the virus based on studies done at the University of Texas. So, so, um, so I hope I answered his question. Mm -hmm. We do yeah. use recombinant. We don't make them. The company, the assay companies that manufacture them, use recombinant protein. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, that's that's good. And what? So if all, what do you think about this question? If all three tests are negative, can T cell immunity be sufficient for relatively solid immunity? Well. If all three tests are negative, is this a patient that did have COVID or does not have, never had COVID? Uh, I think he's talking about somebody who had COVID. Well, if there's somebody that had COVID and everything is negative, um, that would mm -hmm. imply they don't have much immunity based on antibody levels. But it's certainly true that B and T cells have memory. And if one gets reinfected, uh, they will they will recognize the virus and mount an antibody response faster than if they never were exposed to the virus. Do you have does Boston Heart Diagnostics have any T or B cell tests? Uh, no, <laughs> it's our partner lab Viracore in Missouri specializes in virus testing, and they have such a test. Unfortunately, insurance doesn't cover it, and it costs three hundred dollars. Oh. But I have we have had patients that have ordered it, and it's, it has told them a lot about their T cell immunity and T cell function, especially useful in um, immunocompromised people. Okay. Okay. Very good. Um, now, doctor, how can we stay? How can people um, get? Boston Heart Diagnostics tests done. How can they um, look into your work and your 
um, in your papers um, and the work you do? Well, so I'm on PubMed or, you know, uh, you can find my articles on the web, but I sent you the most relevant article. We've also published one other post-vaccination study, but um, to get our testing, they have to go to a doctor that uses our testing and, and sends us the sample. Okay. No, no, and sounds like you have somebody in town that does that. So that's great. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah, Encore does that. And, um, and just real quick, I was gonna mention for anybody who did get that test done and hasn't got your results yet, um, you go to Encore and check with them. They can print your results for you. Um, one thing, we did have a couple of people who got emailed a sample page that showed somebody who was positive. Um, I actually got that same email on the PDF. This is from the clinic, not from Boston Heart. Um, that emailed a sample page and it showed high levels of immunity on both of the tests. However, yeah. it was a sample page and it was not your results. So to get your results, make sure you log in to your account on Boston Heart Diagnostics. Right, um, right. I would say that we're not the only company <laughs> uh, for like the Roche assay, the spike protein is available from the big labs like Quest and LabCorp as well. Okay. So we're not we're not the only uh, lab <laughs> we're not the only game in town and, and um so for anybody who hasn't had that in the grand or in our re in our region um and wants to get these tests that we've talked about one thing that would be nice is for people who want to get this test the antibody test um and haven't gotten it yet you can go to encore and get that test from boston heart and then you have this video to reference for that has the expert explaining what the results mean so you know, that's a pretty uh, neat, I'm so glad to have this resource for my community and my region. So I just want to give you a heartfelt thank you so much for taking your time and your very busy schedule and for, and you know, God bless you and the work you do and helping people just in so many different ways. And, and well, you. the same, the same to you for the work you do, uh, running a health store. That's great. Health food store. Yeah, that's terrific. Oh, thank you so much, doctor. And, and we'll, I'll uh, just, we'll get this out to people and I hope it helps them great. And you have a lovely day and we just appreciate you very much. I would say that the good news is we just have, we have two new tablets that can be used uh, for, for patients that have COVID that will help them in addition to having to get IV therapy. So both Merck and Pfizer have new, new tablets for, for helping patients that uh, actually have COVID as well. So that's important. Okay keeping people off a ventilator or okay. dying. Oh, well, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Schaefer. You're a blessing and, and a service to us all. Thank you, sir, and have a great night. And thank you all for joining us today. Talk Good to luck. You thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.